Welcome back to the Chasing Tone Podcast. Today, my guest is the one, the only, the, the, the most requested, well, half of the most requested guests, Travis Feaster. Hey, hey. Da, 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 da. <laughs> is Max the other half? Max is the other half. Nice. <laughs> yes. I mean, we could. I, I didn't mean that derogatory like the other half, <laughs> but I kind of did. <laughs> well, maybe Max can can come back here with us. Well, I know he would. I know he would. So. Although, um, I don't think he'll care. I think it's pretty. Look, he put it on the face page. If it's on the face page, it's fair game. Max is having a baby in late October. Well, yeah, his wife. Thank God, not him. But he's, <laughs> that we know of. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but he's they're having a baby in late October, so uh, he may not want to come on the podcast for a while but yeah. um speaking of which sorry to go on a tangent but Tan- I, tangent I always, away you know the one thing that always makes me so mad looking back in it everybody always said oh you're having a baby sleep now sleep while you can man da, 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 da. no way dude practice staying up right now go through steel team six hell week <laughs> don't sleep so you know what it's going to be like for the next six months that's what you do and if you ever noticed like before the baby's born, they're all like, oh, you have no idea, man. Oh, your heart's going to be opened up to love. It's the greatest thing ever. Oh, man, I just can't wait for you to experience the love. And then literally the minute after the baby's born, oh, welcome to hell, bro. Welcome to hell. <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah. All right. You'll never have that yeah, life back yeah, again. never again. It's like what happened to like <laughs> literally 10 minutes ago whenever this is going to be the most beautiful thing in my life? But oh well, uh, sorry, no. guitar tone. No, no, no <laughs> so, so I did like an AMA on on a Facebook group today. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run through a few of these. Is that, that are, ask me a answer? <laughs> okay. <laughs> ask me an answer. Ask yeah. me an answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or anything. It could By be the, ask me anything, but yeah, ask me an answer is much. Better. I like answer. <laughs> Okay, so David Robbins says uh, he's got a buddy named Baskin. Uh, he says, <laughs> nice. "How do you get out of a rut? What styles do you aim for, and what do you like to borrow from other styles that you may uh, not normally play, but also but make what you do play more interesting?" And if we need to, if we need to plug guitar up. We okay. totally can. Well, the um, it, we were just talking about this. I was in a rut where, and it's a double edged sword. We've talked about this. God, I wish I had a dollar for every time we've talked about getting into gear and letting gear take over your life and not practice and whatever. But it's all about finding to me, the the easiest answer is finding out what makes you want to pick up your guitar. And sometimes it's as easy as not putting it in a case and just putting a guitar stand in your room. So when you walk by it, you just pick it up mindlessly. That could be the one thing to get you out of a rut. For me personally, I just took a guitar lesson off a guy and it was supposed to be a one hour guitar lesson. And after 25 minutes, I shut him down because he had given me so much to inspire me in that 25 minutes that I knew if I kept doing anything, I was wasting his time because I would forget it. So I said, let's just for the next five minutes, go over all the things you told me again. And then let's just end it. Are you allowed to say who that was with? Yeah. His name's Josh Smith. He's yeah. A incre- Josh Smith. Yeah. Yeah. He's an incredible guitar yes, player. He's fantastic. And he's one of these guys too, that like, he, he's so he's so heavy he's so deep but he understands how to bring it back mm-hmm. if that makes any sense mm-hmm. and by being that kind of player he was the first person to be able to put it in terms that i was able to understand 
to where when he said it, I was like, why the hell hasn't somebody just told me that before? How have I not figured it out? How is it that easy? But next thing you know, I'm opening up anthology from Charlie Parker and I'm playing bebop lines. I've never played bebop before. And it's like, okay, I'm not quite there, but I understand the theory behind it. So that made me get that, that got me out of a rut. So find somebody you really respect and take a lesson. That's what I would do. I mean, to, to me, that, that was the answer for me. I would say buy a new pedal. It <laughs> <laughs> says, says Wampler on it. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Ask me an answer. Ask <laughs> you an answer. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. Let's see. So, Hanu back. Ain't no Hanna back, girl. <laughs> Ain't no Hanna back. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's the first thing. Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's so bad. Yeah, but it worked. <laughs> Favorite cabinet size. How many speakers do you prefer as well? Okay, so this is a good one because I have actually done the work and experimented. And I, I still have a, a great relationship with the guys at WGS. And they they help me with speakers and all this stuff. And I can talk to those guys and they've helped. But anyway, I've tried 112s and different cab. I have three different 112 cabs now that all sound completely different. Um, and I've had 412s, but nothing to me beats the Marshall 2061 CX 2x12 cabinet. The way it's like a vertical, vertical slant cab, mm -hmm. but, um, the the speakers are diagonal. Right. So, They're not directly above each other. Correct. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what it is about that cabinet, but to me, everything always sounds... I don't care what amp I've ever thrown through. It just sounds incredible. And I don't know... I guess it's the 212s. That's, mm. that's, that's, that's my jam. And what speakers are they? The G1230H or H30s. 75 anniversary speakers. WGS or? No, these are Celestians. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, oh, here's a good one, actually. Gary Jarvis asks, once you have your holy grail tone, do you still search for better tones? <laughs> it's like he was listening in to what we were saying yeah. earlier. I, I do have my personal holy grail tone. Uh, I, I have a 1969 Marshall Tremolo 20. And I found it took me years to realize that I like EL84s as my power tube. That's that's what I love. And I have that through that cabinet, and I have a, a Fryat Power Station 2 that I can attenuate, which is a great attenuator. But um I so I mean I get to, and then I play an R8 Les Paul through it or a 1964 strat. So literally every time I plug in, it is my holy grail tone. That being said, I wish there was something different I could do when I'm really hitting those solos because I do play gainy. So anytime I go into something, I want it a little bit louder without changing gain. It's, it's impossible. Is there an effect loop or anything like that on the fret? Well, Could you put, there a, is. Could you put a little boost? That's what thing? I'm going to do. I, um, I don't know why I haven't done it sooner. Laziness, but cause right now all I have is delay and reverb going through there. Right. Through yeah. the effects loop. So and I'm going to boost pedals. Yeah. I'm going to throw so. a boost in there. So I'm going to try that. Hopefully that fixes it. Hopefully it just makes me louder. And does he, you know, as long I mean? as there's headroom, it should. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's plenty of headroom right. left in this thing. So, yeah. and, and that's the thing that sucks is sorry about the tangent here, but man, just 
six or seven years ago, I was able to play 50 watt amps in clubs and no one would ever say a word. Right. Now I'm attenuating 20 watts. Really? Yes. So club owners are, are telling you to turn down. Oh yeah. And most clubs now have their own baffles that they'll put in front of your amp, no matter what. Really? It's like, you haven't even heard me play yet. doesn't matter. We want all the control. That's not a baffle. That's a mattress. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but so I don't know. I, I, I like the 212 cabs. Was that the same so, question? So, yeah. I mean, so now that you've found your quote unquote holy grail tone, mm-hmm. are you are like, are you still, you know, looking for other things? Are you still like buying overdrive pedals? No. Are you still, no. So, like you found it. I'm done. I I mean... I say yes, but then last week I realized I didn't have my Holy Grail Fender tone, so I bought a 1968 <laughs> Super Reverb. So, but I mean, to me, it's all like those aren't you know 84. No, they're not. But <laughs> it's good Fender tone. But um, you know, it's the whole steak and chicken thing, man. I love steak, and I can make the steak exactly how I want it, but I don't want to eat it seven days a week, you know, 365 right. days a year, whatever. Every now and again, I'm gonna want to taste some chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so you got to have different flavors, but when it comes to the tone, I always rely on that Holy Grail tone that I have that I love, mm-hmm. you know, and to me, I'm not saying other people, some people may listen to it and be like, nah, I hate it. But for me, it makes me play a certain way, makes me feel a certain way. As far as dirt boxes, I'm I'm done, you know. So are you even miking in, in clubs anymore? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why they want us to play so low. Is they want to be able to control it through the front. Of the have house. you thought about using like the UA Ox or uh, like the two note stuff or anything that uh, I know, like get a better direct in sound? No, I, I haven't. I yeah, because I don't want to give. I know it sounds terrible, and there's a lot of sound engineers out there that I love working with because they understand that you know what I want, and I spend all this money and all this time. Basically, here's the thing: we all spend all this money and time getting our tone. And what's the last thing in the chain of our tone? Our speakers. Mm-hmm. Those are just amp manufacturer. You yourself, as an amp manufacturer, will say will probably agree with me when I say one of the top three things that changes the way a guitar or amp sounds is a speaker. speaker. Maybe number one. You know, then probably you know output transformer and then right. circuitry. But basically, any amp. I'm like, if you don't like it, change the speaker. Spend, spend a few bucks and get a speaker. Right, and yeah. it will sound exponentially better. Right. So my my problem with this is most people that are live sound engineers like to have control of their stuff and they always say, well, we can put you more in the monitor. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine, but I spent all this money and all this time finding the guitar speaker I want and you're going to put me through a vocal or reference monitor speaker. Right. And, you know, and, and a lot of sound guys understand that. So they'll say, well, what can I do to make it better? You know what I mean? So what, what if like we... Took your your whole chain, mm-hmm. and we made the perfect impulse response for you. I would try it absolutely. You know that way that it's your speakers, it's your cabinet, and then like you just like all right here. Well, here's my impulse response, just direct in. Yeah, I would you, would you think about that? If yeah, absolutely. Maybe. If I didn't, because I don't know how to do the work behind it. I will say though, we use the same sound guy all the time for our bigger gigs. His name's Victor Job. The guy is incredible. And the thing I love about him is, you know, he'll put a mic in front of my amp and he doesn't care if I move it. You know, like some sound guys are like, no, that's got to stay there. And it's like, 
I'm wearing in-ear monitors, right. so I can tell what sounds right, what yeah. sounds most like guitar to me. Right. There's no way you just stuck it there in the exact yes. right position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, and that's one thing I've found that helps a lot, too, with that, it's just and moving like, mics. No, it goes on the head. <laughs> yes, you put right. against the fabric on the head. <laughs> yeah, it, right above where it says volume. <laughs> uh, here's a good one from Ryan Murphy. Perfect question for you, actually. Okay. Um is it worth going to college for anything music related? Because you did go to college. And I did. You also to- were a touring musician for a long time. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to say yes for me because that's where I found my mentor. You know, and to me, everything in life, I don't care what you do in life, your number one goal should be find a mentor. Who was your mentor? His name's David Parman. He was the head of the music department down there. He was... Um, he was actually very, very uh, integral part of John Cougar Mellencamp's career. Mm-hmm. He was uh, a, a fellow songwriter with him. He was his first bass player, you know. But anyway, he had all this real world knowledge. He was sitting in the limousine where they told John Mellencamp, "Hey, we're going to call you Johnny Cougar." Oh, really? He was sitting there in the exact limousine. I mean, he was that big a part of his career. Yeah. Or, you know, so he had real world knowledge and I was able to find my mentor through college. I didn't graduate, uh, you know, and most of the time I would spend with him and not doing anything else. So, <laughs> you know, but as with anything, find a mentor. And if that means you have to use college to do it, cool. But I used to regret not graduating, but I don't anymore. Really? Yeah, because the thing I'm doing in my day job now, I learn more by just and and you'll see this too yeah. if you go on Indeed.com and start looking at jobs, you'll see what, what is it? Indeed. Indeed.com. It's like remember Monster.com. Yeah. It's like the new one. Oh, okay. But if you go on there and you start looking at, at jobs, you it used to be it would just say, uh bachelor's degree required right but now it'll say bachelor's degree or three years experience three experience yeah you know what i mean yeah. so i think the world that's, is that's changing a lot it is yeah it completely is because the bang for the buck with college isn't there anymore right but i will say going to those college classes i learned all my music theory i would have never sat behind a piano to try to learn music theory without college and that that made me a way better player way better musician so could you do that with private tutoring? Probably. Right. You know, and can you find a mentor of your favorite player or somebody that's... So, so that, that was a critical thing then. Yeah. It's really finding that mentor. Finding so, that mentor. So if you met him in a coffee shop and you had a, a relationship with him... Right. You could have possibly gotten the same experience. Correct. Correct. So I'm not saying it was college, but, you know, that that's the thing too. Like, for instance, I mean, in business, I mean, you're a business businessman I look up to and I was lucky enough to... <laughs> you need to work, standards. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I was work. I was... I was lucky enough to work. There was there was nobody in the middle between you and me. I worked directly under you. And then, <laughs> giggity. But <laughs> but anyway, you know, so and that's the thing too. You were a mentor, still are. And then you know, my current boss now is just me and him in the company. I right. work directly under him. He's a mentor. Mm-hmm. And he would even he'll tell people if I say he's my boss, he's like, No, I, maybe you're a mentor, but I'm not your boss. You right. know? So anything in life, surround yourself with a mentor. It's the only way you're gonna grow. And nine times out of 10, it's flattering to the mentor that you chose them. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, I find that especially, and this is not like across the board, but I know more people that who are successful that are happy to pass on their absolutely. knowledge more so than people that are successful that, that say, 
No, piss right. off. Well, know? that and and it's human nature too. One of the biggest compliments you can like, I call me a hippie or whatever, but I make it a point to compliment somebody every day. It's just something I do because it makes you feel better about yourself to lift other people up. And one of the best. So you look in the mirror and you're like, you look good today. <laughs> you're good enough. You're smart <laughs> enough. <laughs> but but one of the best ways you can compliment somebody is ask them a question about something they know about. You know, because it's it's a way of saying, hey, you know more than me and I'd like to know something. You know, it's an d- interesting way to compliment. So like when I'm calling people on the phone, if I'm working with people who have been doing the same job with me or as me for 20 years. I'm going to tell them, hey, I'm pretty new to this business. Any any pointers? And you will take somebody that's a hard ass and doesn't want to talk to you. Right. You ask them that question, next thing you know, you're on the phone for 15 minutes and they love you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you flatter the ego. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yep. All right. So Greg Dodd asks, if, uh, are you still really into Les Pauls or are you back on the Strat train? Oh, man. <laughs> My buddy Doug emailed me today or texted me today. He goes, you're a Gibson man, right? And I just said, man, I'm a guitar man. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, <clears throat> I, I actually told my wife the other day, if I could just have two guitars, I'd be fine. And I play a Les Paul R8. And for some reason, the way that thing just fits in my hand, the neck and I, everything about that guitar makes it my number one right now. Mm. But I also have this, awesome vintage Stratocaster that I got not too long ago that every time I play it, man, I never, that's a 64. 64 right? Yeah. It's a 64. And so I, I don't really know To me, it's all about whatever tone I want. I always bring both. I, I, I don't want to have just a Les Paul at night and say, well, I'm playing a Les Paul all night or I don't want to have Strat. I'm play, playing a Strat all night. So, but then again, there's times too, yeah, if we're going to play something heavier, I'm going to switch to the Les Paul. If we're going to play right. like Blue Jean Blues by ZZ Top, Billy Gibbons used a Strat on that. Right. So I got to have a Strat. Okay, so uh, Greg Jones says, why do pedals require different settings to a clean amp versus an amp sim pedal? You ever had any experience with that? No, Greg's a killer player though. Is he? Plays, if, is it a uh, guy from Indianapolis? I don't know. Yeah, I think I know who that is. He's a, Great yeah, chance. unless it's, I mean, it's a common name, I guess, but if it's, uh, yeah, I think, he's from, yeah, he's Indiana. killer, he's yeah. killer player. Yeah. Played in a band called uh woe tiger. I don't know if he still plays with him or whatever, but hmm. yeah. Killer I played player. I the tiger once. <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I really don't have. Yeah. So, so my suggestion would be like all that stuff is kind of based around EQ and crap. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, if you even if it's clean amps, like let's say a well, let's say like a Vox and a Deluxe Reverb, you're going to change things because they right. totally sound different. Right. In the same way that if you're playing through an amp sim of some sort, whether it's analog or whether it's impulse response, like there's always just going to be different EQ stuff going on. Right. Even if it's even if it's an impulse response of the same speaker, so Company A does an impulse response of a Vintage Thirty. Company B does an impulse response of a vintage thirty. Say, Mike, mm-hmm. there's so many. As you, you did a lot of recording stuff, so you know there's so many variables. Even if you're using the same amp, same speaker, and same mic, the room, the mic position, the the uh, compressor, like all the everything, all the, all the chain, the whole chain makes a huge difference. So, yeah, yeah, I think ways. something like that's probably just going to have to be a bunch of trial and error and finding what you like. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I don't. I kind of moved more towards using impulse responses because I just it works better for me. 
It's con- yeah. it's definitely it's, con- it's consistent. consistent. Yeah, you and, know? and you know when we used to do videos, we'd spend like four or five hours just moving mics. Yeah, we would we would inch. waste so much time with that. Right. You know, and and yeah, and then trying to. I remember taking pictures of. Oh, this sounds really good today. Let's take a picture of it. Then we come back in the next day. I don't know if our ears were fatigued or whatever, it's but totally it's like different. sounds completely different. <laughs> I hate this. You know. <laughs> so that, I mean, uh, Pete Thorne. Yeah, that guy. I mean, he he carries his own impulse responses with him. So when he does sessions, yeah, he just loads them up and he has his studio no matter where he's right. at. And that's why I was thinking, like, if you had something like that, where you had like your amp, your speaker, your mm-hmm. mic, your your whole environment, basically on an SD card. Yeah. Th- then you know you're like, all right, here's here's the impulse response. Hit that with using. the front of the house. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then then it's so controlled. You have exactly what you want. See that? I would be into trying it. I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> you know it's well helix yeah right there you go <laughs> <clears throat> okay uh let's see i actually have had the same question several times which one so gary jarvis again asked if once you have your holy grail tone do you still search for better tones <laughs> either that or i don't know how to use facebook <laughs> it, it could be one one or the other. Another guy, Alan May, asked about California straws. Are they more evil than Indiana straws? Well, here's the thing. It, I'll have to start drinking all my soda out of assault rifles now. <laughs> Can't use a straw, but you can still use an assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, <laughs> you got it. Okay. So this is throwback from some of the old episodes. Okay. Nathan Napier says, wish you would. <laughs> Another guy says, I don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> That's absolutely- Nathan says, why don't you then? Yeah. And another one says, hashtag come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think I went over the uh, – did I, did I talk to you about the three ways to end any conversation or debate or argument? I don't recall. What, what, let's hear it. Okay. So you say, number one, you lead off, and you got to say it with conviction. Not really. And then when it, no matter what they say, say, how do you know? And then no matter what they say, exactly. So, so, okay. So here's the example. That orange amp is the best, best, dri- you know, overdrive sound. Not the- really. Well, yeah, it is. How do you know? Cause I like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even if you have facts, even if you say this Wampler uses six, uh, six L6s, not really. Yeah, it, it, it does. How do you know? Turn it around. Exactly. <laughs> You're done. I mean, I'm not saying it's the way to win, but it is a foolproof way to end a debate or conversation. Not really. <laughs> How do you know? Exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, best amps for home and gig playing. Do you, do you used to, because you have several different amps, right? Yeah, but I have so, down. No, I, I upsized again. Damn it. I, I did downsize for a while, but basically. I'm not a Vox guy. I'm I'm not, and I'm not an orange guy, uh, just because to me it seems like I can get a lot of the same tones with, with Marshalls. But um, I do believe that the two spectrums, I guess, one would be Fender, one would be Marshall. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to have both flavors. It goes back to the chicken and steak thing, right? Right. But um, you know, the best amp is just. Any, any more, man? I don't know anything that gets you loud enough. <laughs> you know, like wattage wise, you right. know, don't, don't, if you want a lot of clean headroom, 
get a high water jam. Right. If you don't, don't. You know, that's that's the thing that I found more than anything is just volume. Like, do, do you find that the the higher water jams have more kind of like low bottom end? I don't because I use the same cabinet for everything. You know what I mean? And that cabinet, I, I can't tell you how much I love that cabinet. It's so ridiculous. even with the lower water jam, you don't find that too much? No, because I have the Fryette thing. Oh, that's right. The you know Fryette's what I mean? It, so. Yeah. And it's an attenuator. It's an attenuator, reamplifier, and right. effects loop. That thing, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to dog a company. Maybe they're busy. But the only problem I've ever had with Fryette is their customer service. Everything else, I mean, their product is amazing. I love it. But... I've tried emailing him several times. Just nothing, man. No. Just, I mean, tum- just tumbleweeds, dude. It's nothing. <laughs> but and that's okay. Maybe you, you know. need to like, go take a flight to California and be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, I want to buy something. <laughs> yeah. Let, sell me this, please. But no, so that thing, although I will say that Super Reverb, man, it is loud. Those are loud, yeah. So I think it's are, 40 they, watts or something. Are they know. 40 or I was thinking 60? Maybe, maybe they are. I don't you're know. You're thinking of a twin that's 65. I forget. I can't remember. But all I know is if you put that thing on four, it is tone heaven. Mm-hmm. But you better be playing outside. As you say, I mean, you, you would have to attenuate that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't attenuated it yet just because I haven't had to. I, the only gigs I've, I've done two gigs with it. I just got it two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And they were both outdoor gigs. So... I was able to get away with it. One of them was kind of like a, a big, huge gig, kind of right. huge stage. Uh, are you doing any recording at home anymore or writing anything? Definitely writing. Um, and I did start recording something, but I don't know. Was, was it Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star that you let me hear? Dude, my four-year-old released his first single, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It's a cover tune. He's four. <laughs> you know. But I did record that, and that's my jam. But no, the thing is, is I don't love recording enough to learn how to do it properly. Really? I just don't like the actual engineering and capturing. Mm-hmm. I don't love it enough. Like I like to write. I like to record being the artist. I like the creative process. I love my, my favorite thing about recording is using someone else, a producer who has completely fresh ideas from what you have and letting them do all that work. And plus getting their input. That's, I don't love learning the best microphones and preamps and right. conversion rates and all this, the best audio to digital or analog to digital converter. I don't want to learn all that. I want to learn how to write a song, you know? So right. I don't know. Some guys can do it all and they, they just have these ears and I, I have no desire to so record you don't see myself. yourself mixing any beats anytime soon or I mean, you know, I, I can get down some beats ranging some of loops. the block rock block rocking type. People still say block rock and beats. I don't think that's a thing anymore. Oh, damn it! <laughs> I do have a keyboard with pads on it though, so I can I can absolutely. <laughs> I suck so bad at that, and I would like to actually be good, but yeah, I don't have the desire. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, just like trying to figure out, like when people are mastering, like after recording, mastering is just such. It's such an art to it. Right. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I just suck at it. Every, t- every time I record something, I'm like, this totally sounds like I record on a Fostex 4-track in my garage. <laughs> well, to you, <laughs> but I'm sure it doesn't. But I know what you're saying. Like, what is it that gives it that? I always call it the national sound. Yeah. You know, that thing that, because I don't know, because 
they have to mix it a certain way because if it hits a radio, it's going to hit that one compressor. Right. It hits anyway, mm-hmm. and they have to make it to where when it hits that, it sounds good still. You know, right. and that's just I have no desire to learn that. I just don't, especially when I know there's a guy named Scott Velasco that produced my last two records, and the guy's just so good. He's so good that like, yeah, it, it, it costs more to pay somebody to do it, but it's going to sound so so much better. Yeah. I mean, so much so that like half my album re- reviews last time, you know, many moons ago when I was touring, half of them commented on the on the excellent production of the record. Yeah. And, and when people are, when you're reading album reviews and the first thing that they're blown away, they say immediately the production value of this record, da, 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 da. Right. There's something to that. It doesn't sound like it's a guy sitting in his garage. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, Scott, I think now he's the head of the recording department for Daytona University. But, he used to just be, you know, the Nashville guy that did it for a living. And, huh. and he was just kind of like, man, I'd, I'd like a regular paycheck. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he gets to do what he loves, Yeah, you know, and he has, he's mixed all these tracks for people and, you know, and he still does it, you know, people still appreciate his talent like I do and still hire him to do, you know, free freelance stuff like that. But, right. but man, I, I, I'm spoiled from him because him doing the last two records they sound like that. I'm just going to use him. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So I've been on this trip where I down, like, downloaded all the like the rock band and the guitar hero mm-hmm. uh, music. And so they're isolated tracks for the most part, right? Right. So well, you've lo- been posting those on your Facebook. Yeah. Too. So I posted like a few things like the guitar from Carry On My Wayward Son. Right. You know? Uh, because whenever you break it down, you're like, wow, like, if I was sitting in my room, that's not the guitar tone I would want to use. Right. But within the context of everything happening, I've always thought like that was massive tone. Right. Until I heard it in isolation. Yeah. And it, I was just like, did someone leave the Rockman on? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, like those little, you know, the little Rockman. I do. I know exactly you, what you, you mean. You hook them on your belt. It's like the Walkman only for <laughs> right. guitar. Yeah. Exactly. The Tom Schultz things. That's, yeah. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, dude. And and going back to Scott, I'll never forget that because um, there was a song I have called Nickel Soul. Yeah. And there's you know, that first guitar track sounds mean mm-hmm. and it's like, and it literally was just a strat pushing a clean channel off an amp. Right. It shouldn't sound mean, but in the context, it does context. It does. But I'll never forget one time he's like, Hey, let's just try this and just play the, the, you know, whatever. And he filtered it so bad to where it sounded like an envelope filter. And it was just one of the worst sounding guitar sounds I'd ever heard in my life. And I'm like, you know, Hey, this guy must, you know, I trusted <laughs> him by then. Right. So I did it. And then he put it in the mix and I was like, how like how did you why? even know it would do exactly that? why does it sound so good why did that he just heard something when he was listening to the track there's something missing in this frequency that would bring everything else to life and it did and it was like that was the first time i was like oh man i just recorded one of the crappiest guitar sounds i ever had and it made everything else sound so perfect right and like it goes back to that to where like i don't want to learn how to do that that's not my gift yeah you know that's his gift. You yeah, know? yeah, that that's and that totally is a talent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure some of it can be learned, but that's just having but, a good but, ear. But you gotta, yeah. but you gotta know, like you gotta hear something. Like you know what this needs, right? It's a guitar that sounds like this certain particular thing. Exactly. You know, exactly. And because the, everyone else is just like, oh, that's a good tone. Let's just set everything around that. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah, and then we'll double it. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the thing that going back to isolated tracks, the thing that got me that always blows my mind is you hear that carry on wayward son yeah. and, and you play that, you try to dial in that tone yourself. I bet you 99 out of a hundred times you're going to have way more gain than you. Think. Oh yeah. There's not Every, much gain on it. There's not. Yeah. Same thing with like Stevie Ray Vaughan. That guy was pretty damn clean. Right. And I'll hear people stack tube screamers and it's like maybe on voodoo child when he's using like a fuzz or something. But most of the time, right. He wasn't, he wasn't that dirty. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. That's the thing that, that floored me is I tried to get a lot of gain for a, a song on a record. He's like, Whoa, you don't need all that. And <laughs> he turned it down to like less than half of what I had. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. You don't understand then, that yeah. gain goes to 10. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it was one of those things. It's like, Oh my God, he's right. You know? So it's weird how it sounds so much fatter when you drop the gain down. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I hate to use a butter's word, but it's more organic too. You hear more of the player. More organic, transparent, woody, chewy, <laughs> yet retains the sound of its of its own. Transparent. It's, it's transparent. <laughs> yeah, it's almost but like throaty. It's almost like not having it on, but it's throaty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so good you can't even tell it's on. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so good. So um I was watching like part of a documentary that I saw on YouTube the other day. Butch Vig was going through, um, I think, I forget what song it was, but it was on, I think, Nevermind, Nirvana. Mm -hmm. um, and I may have the album wrong, but that's not the, the point. The point is, like, he was talking about his recording process with Kurt. Okay. And so, and he was playing tracks in isolation, and he was like, okay, so what we have two mess of tracks here, you know, left and right, then we have two basement tracks. And, I, and the guy I interviewed was like, how, how did you get Kurt to do that? He said, Kurt didn't like to double things. He said, so I would just make up something like, oh, man, I had the fader down. I didn't man. get it. My fault. Yeah, I like, oh, That's I'm sorry. Great. I screwed up. I, I accidentally hit hit the wrong knob in the middle of that. Like, so he got it to oh do that Oh, my every God. Time. And, <laughs> and then he, Kurt doubled a lot of vocals, but he hated that mm -hmm. because that wasn't punk. Right. And so he always had like, he would always say, Kurt, you know, uh, the Beatles did it. <laughs> and Kurt would be like, Okay, I'll That's do it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. One of my regrets is, uh, you know, to me, one of the most famous record producers, Eddie Kramer. Yeah. You know, one of my regrets regrets is not leaving the Nam booth to go say hi to him when he was at Nam. <laughs> my yeah. I was like, but you know, what what would I have learned in five minutes of saying, man, you're awesome. <laughs> this remember that time. <laughs> remember that time you mixed. Electric Ladyland. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Although, um, one of my buddies, uh, a guy named Doug Henthorn, he, um, you know, he's he's a cool dude. He's unbelievably talented, and uh, he met Paul Rogers in like 1993, mm -hmm. singer for Bad Company yeah. and Free. Right. And I guess he was like. And he still like makes fun of himself because he was like, man, I could have asked him anything. And the first thing I asked him was like, how do you take care of your voice? <laughs> and he was like, so he's kicked himself forever over this, right? So then he goes, uh, last Friday, Paul Rogers and Jeff Beck were in town. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And um, and I guess he, he got to meet Paul again. And he was like, he's like, man, I'm sorry to be that guy, but you're my hero, you know? And I'm, I'm a singer too. And he goes, I was and he goes, I was probably getting ready to say something stupid. I don't even remember what I was going to say. But somebody 
from Paul Rogers' camp came up to him and said, oh, yeah, he sings with Joe Bonamassa, and, and Jason Bonham just got him up here. You know, he mm-hmm. sings with Jason. And he was like, that was the coolest thing ever because then I was actually on a level. He you was know, like, like yeah. legitimacy. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it wasn't him that said it. It was somebody at Paul's camp said, right. oh, yeah, we know this guy. He's great. Da, 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 da. But he was like, he was like, yeah, I was so prepared to make a fool out of myself that I made a fool out of myself. <laughs> do you do you do you still take care of your voice the same way yeah, you did? Yeah. Do you do you still use lemon and honey? <laughs> what? But no, I mean that would be cool to, to meet one of your heroes and somebody says, "Oh, by the way, he's on the level." Yeah. Well, shit, yeah, I'm on the level. <laughs> I mean, hell yeah, I'm on the level. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Any final parting words for this uh, this podcast? Not that I can think of. Some good questions. That's though. perfect fart farting words. <laughs> yeah. Perfect farting words. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email podcast at wampopedal.com. Please, uh, if you like this, if you like the podcast, please consider sharing with your wife, husband, dog, owner, uh, friends, cousin, brother, sister, their friends, cousins, mothers. <laughs> Anyone who might like the podcast, we really appreciate Anyone it. Anyone with access. <laughs> Anyone with, with an iPhone. Yeah, right. Or Android. <laughs> right. I mean, no, iPhone, just iPhone. Yeah, yeah. 33% Android. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyways, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.